Hey, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. And we're happy you're spending some time with us, us being Chip Brown and Zay, the right call, call your sub dog. Yo, man, the hair looks good today, man. I see you. I I see you. Come on, man. I'm like, let me throw on a ball cap. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, man, you look like Zach Morris 93 or something, man. I'm looking smooth. So I've been running all over town. (laughs) Running all over town. I know. So I've got... Yeah, what's the eating, man? What you got there? Well, you're going to laugh. And now my dog just walked in and has ruined the acoustics of my studio. Because he just barges in and opens the door and... Uh, and then he snores all through the show. If you really listen carefully, you can probably hear my beagle <clears throat> snoring in the background of most every show. He huh. is, we call him the Roomba because he is like the loudest, snortingest dog. He's like a dog yeah. who acts like a hog. All right, hold on a second. I got to close the door because like it's the acoustics are so bad. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Figure all that out, cause sometimes I have some dog problems up here with Champ, who's fighting this pause right now. Every once in a while, he'll come try to mess things up. It's usually when we have a guest too. He's used to your voice at this point, but when we have a guest, like, I think it freaks him out, and he'll come Wait. over to me. Your dog? Yes. Usually, he's pretty chill if it's just you and me. But when we have a guest on. Depending on that guest voice, he'll come over here and just try to stir stuff up and, you know, he'll paw the hell out of me, too. Like, just right on my thigh and it hurts, so I have to kind of just shove him away. I don't think you've noticed, which is great, or I don't know if any of our people have noticed, but it's happened at least four times since we started the show. And, yeah, he's barked every once in a while because we just got people outside doing who knows what, Amazon deliveries and... What's yeah, his name? Champ. Champ. What kind of dog yeah. is Champ? Uh, he's a mutt. I think we need to get an ancestry.com on him, but I think he's a Kangol Shepherd and a Blackmouth Cur. Something along those mix. But yeah, man, guess who he's named after? It's not just like a normal dog name. The dude is named after legendary all pro cornerback, played both ways a little bit in college, Champ Bailey. That's Bailey. Why, Bailey. That was my favorite player as a kid. Georgia. Like in middle school. Yeah. Yeah. Georgia Bulldog. I love Chan Bailey. Oh, I love Chan Bailey. He was so good. He was, he was playing so good. for the like, he was playing for the Redskins when I covered the Cowboys. Okay. Yeah. 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 Champ. He was a yeah, that's when the Redskins had an underrated secondary with um Daryl Green and those. I don't know if Dion was there too, but yeah, that secondary was underrated. Yeah, that Especially was right, young right before Sean Taylor rolled up and caused all kinds of mayhem. Yeah, man. Um, well, this is really nice. Thanks, Amo. Yo, I see it. Like, CB said you out here like GQ, man. I see it. I see, yo, it's slick to the side a little bit, man. Come on, man. You you wilding out. You showing out today on a Tuesday afternoon. I feel you. Well, I feel you. 
I had to, I had to go do I'm some appointments right now. I got my got my Kai Jones cup. Oh, you know. no, it's just, it's just water. But you know, I yeah, have to, I'll have what he's having. What the? All right, has your research? Mm. I mean, you are per se Hilton. Have we heard anything else on the on the down low? On the back channels about our man Kai Jones? No, no, he just needs help. You know, okay. he he's the one that's going off on Twitter. It's his personal account. Has he done any more? Uh, I haven't seen any. I'm sure he's put out something. Right now, he's promoting his single. He's rapping now, so right, you know, he's promoting that more than anything. And yeah, it's, um, he's no Jay Z. Let me just tell you that. Yeah, you know, I'm not with the new kid rap that mumble stuff or humming a humming a humming a yeah, hey, humming a hey, like that's just that you can barely hear what the guys are saying. That's that's where Kai's at. It's a little. Is he better you know, than Tony Parker as a rapper? I mean, you can't understand Tony Parker. Now he's better than Allen Iverson and Kobe. I'll give him that. When I've heard this first song, I remember when AI dropped the track back in his head, and then Kobe had that song with uh, Brian McKnight, which was horrible. And yeah, so he, he's better than those guys. But I don't know. You couldn't understand what Wait, Tony Brian was McKnight. He sang that song one. Oh, classic! That's a classic. Oh yeah, dream come true. Just wanna be, yeah, man. Come on, give me some. Come on, man. Just because I might look young, I might look young in the face, but I got an old soul, man. Come on, man. Come on. What else you got in there? You got some Commodores. You got some Commodores hitting in there. You got some Earth. You got some Earth, Wind, and Fire. Hell yeah, man. I, I'm always the one to say Lionel Richie's wrong for going on tour without the Commodores. That ain't cool, man. You, you forgot where you came from, Lionel. You forgot where you came from. You all up here on American Idol and all this shit. You forgot where you came from, man. Them your brothers. Brickhouse, you know? baby. Brickhouse. She's a yeah. brick. You see Justin Timberlake, he's back with his Yeah, man. He's a mighty. Just letting it all hang out. She's a brick. <laughs> oh, I'm all about the Commodores. I'm all about it. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, what I say a lot, Three times a lady, easy like Sunday morning. Hell yeah. Come on, man. That's the good stuff right there. So I'm you look Steve. like you used to watch Soul Train back in the day. You 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 look like you used to watch a little bit of Soul Train. Oh, yeah. Don Cornelius? <laughs> Come on, man. On my little black and oh, white TV. Man. Yo, it was, man. It was, always on it was always on Channel 50 out of Detroit. That was the one channel okay. I got on my little black and white TV. Damn. I could see the Pistons every once in a while. I could see the Red Wings every once in a while. And I could see Soul Train every Sunday morning. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Yeah. Hey, you always invited to the cookout, man. Like, yeah, that's obviously. Yo, man, you're talking about watching Soul Train on the black and white TV in the Motor City. Man, that might be one of the blackest things I've ever heard. <laughs> Don Cornelius had the smoothest voice. He was like, and next up, we got Lionel Richie in the Commodores. 
And you were like, damn, Don Cornelius got to have women just falling off all over him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think he, he has a biopic. Yeah. Huh? I think he has a bio, I think he has a biopic about him that somebody played him and he dealt with a lot of stuff, obviously. I mean, it's the era, but yeah. What, yeah what's the backstory? Was he, was he crazy? Was he wild? Uh, I just think everything around him was wild, <laughs> you know, and he was pretty, I want to say he was a pimp, but he had a mindset like, yo, don't mess with me because I don't play that. I don't play about my money with nobody. So yeah, I, I need to check that out. I don't know where it's at, but yeah, Dark Cornelius. I hope he owned all of it. Like I hope he owned, like I hope he great now. Ain't no way. <laughs> it's like Dick Clark created American Bandstand and then owned it. And then he did all the award shows. Like it was crazy what Dick Clark he would he was producing game shows, he was producing award shows. Yeah. I'm like, Dick Clark owns like half of Hollywood. Jeez. That's crazy, yeah. man. It's crazy. Okay, so Chris Hummer, our normal 1.30 on Tuesdays, has uh, an appointment today. So he's going to join us tomorrow. All right. Tomorrow at 2.15 after we talk to the wild and woolly John Brown, who, I mean, we got a lot to talk about with John Brown this week, Zay. Yeah, yeah we do. Definitely, man. I know he's riding that high that you are also as a Detroit Lions fan. Those Lions, you know, tied for first place in the NFC, feeling pretty good right there with the 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, what could go wrong, you know? Don't say that. (laughs) Everything could go wrong. Everything has gone wrong for the last 50, 64 years. But the tide's bound to turn, you know what I'm saying? See, that's, it's, it's something has to give. Now I feel like a Longhorns fan, right? Like, okay, we're at the midway point. Things are looking okay. Things are looking pretty good. Long Lions and Longhorns are both five and one. Yeah. And like, there should be no problem this Saturday at three o'clock. There should be no problem. But Donovan Smith. That dude is a one-man wrecking machine. We'll we'll get into Donovan. So this comes in from Chris. What say y'all? Biggest challenge for Texas in the back half. Kansas State with Avery Johnson. Oh, Avery. Zay's got the Avery oh, Johnson. Man. Come on, Timmy. Come, Come on, on Timmy. Timmy. Pass the ball, Timmy. Admiral. Admiral. Come on. I got you. I got you. Can you imagine if Avery Johnson, the quarterback for K-State, talked like that? <laughs> hey, That's beautiful. He'd be my favorite player. Oh my god! Hey, hey, Italy. we're in the shotgun. Come on. Ah. <laughs> you want me to clap my hands louder? Anyway, that was terrible. Um, that would be crazy. That'd be crazy. Oh, man. especially the way that guy looks. He looks like he looks like some kind of WWE wrestler with that hair. No, he looks like he ripped the ball before the game, just in the restroom, 
just hot boxing that getting towed. <laughs> like, yeah, the dude, he look, he's different. He ain't clean cut, not one bit. So, yeah, he's a he's a different change, and he really caught Texas Tech off guard with his style of play. He's got. You're saying he's got some Spicoli in him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely has Spicoli. Yeah, My orders dad, the pizza a, during class and everything. Hell killer yeah. Set of tools. You ever seen Fast Times? One of my favorite movies. One of my favorite. Oh man, he was an animal. That's what we need. We we need that. If the Horns make it to the uh, um, Big Twelve Championship, we need somebody to who is wreck to Vondre Sweat, whatever NIL car that he has, wreck it, spray paint sooner all over it. And yeah, uh-huh, absolutely. We need something like that because Forrest Whitaker, man, he might have had 16 tackles, eight sacks that night where his brother and Spicoli trashed his car the night before. And Whitaker had those crazy eyes. He was perfect. Had. Has. Had, had, yo, that eye, that eye's all jacked up. It's crazy his career, man, because he's a good actor. Yeah, he like, is. He's been in some stuff. I watched that show where he's playing Buffy Johnson. I'm losing track of what the name is, but that dude, he could act, and he's been in the game for a hot minute, and Last King of Scotland was good. Like, Forrest mm. Whitaker, he has some serious skins on the wall, and... You know, he's not obviously what you would think Hollywood would allow as, you know, he's no Blair Underwood or more Chestnut or anything, you know. So the fact that he paved the way for himself and was a really solid, credible actor, kudos to him. What about Shamar Moore? Yo, don't see. I'm so glad my wife ain't listening because that might be Every her woman. hall pass, man. That that might be her hall pass straight up. <laughs> and it, I mean, that guy's only done like soap operas and stuff. That's all he's got. So, so speaking of uh, Soul Train, I think that's how he like came up. If you go type in Shamal Moore Soul Train on YouTube, this fool's in multiple episodes dancing and turning up and... Yeah, I I remember the first movie I saw him in was The Brothers with Bill Bellamy, D.L. Hughley, and Morris Chestnut. That's a good movie. Oh, it's a great movie. That's which, a good movie. Like, come on. Yeah, I forgot all those attractive Yeah. All so he's actually in a good movie. It is. Why are you so upset? Because he's like so pretty and yeah. like, I was like, all he's ever done is like soap operas, but the women just fall all over themselves for this guy. Yo, when he did Criminal Minds, that's oh, he did about yeah. 15 seasons of that thing. That's, come on, man. He's all assertive and stuff. And yeah, Criminal cute. Minds. That's he's good cute season. with her glasses, girl. So women love that because, you know, she's she's cute, but, I mean, she's no Anna Kornikova. So it's kind of, yeah, man. So he's... He's a good actor, but yeah, that that face gets him. Probably. Okay, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you a funny story. You brought up Anna Kornikova, so I am covering Wimbledon. I was lucky enough to cover Wimbledon four times for the Dallas Morning News, and I'm sitting at a table with Scott Price from Sports Illustrated and John Wertheim. 
who's now on 60 Minutes and Sports Illustrated. And Chris Everett walks in. And Scott Price has known Chris Everett forever. And Anna Kornikova's on TV. Like, we're in the cafeteria at Wimbledon, and you can see all the courts, and Anna Kornikova's up there. And Chris Everett, for people who don't know, like, they called her the Ice Queen. She's wild. She's wild. Like, she's the most fun. You want to go drinking with Chris Everett. Like, she is fun. And Scott Price goes, hey, Chris, Anna Kornikova, how's that look in the shower? And Chris is like, oh, yeah, we all stop and stare. Wow. She said her and Steffi Graf. I just throw Steffi's name in there? Yeah. <laughs> like, like stares at Steffi Graf or Steffi Graf and Chris check out uh, um, no, Anna Kornikova? Everyone else stares at Steffi Graf's body. Okay, okay. Yeah. And Anna Kornikova's body. Mm. Wow. I was like, all right, then. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still waiting on, you know, I hope this doesn't happen to her because this is very dramatic, but I wouldn't mind if she had a frapping situation. She looks like she owns that body. She looks like she'd be, <laughs> you know, that's very just, gosh, say you're going straight down under or whatever, if you believe in that sort of thing. But, you know, I'm, hey, come on. Anna Kornikova, elite, elite, chef's kiss. That's that woman, incredible. So I haven't seen her lately, though. Enrique Iglesias. That's right. I remember she was in his video. Yeah. I, they've been together forever. They still together? I think they're still together. Yeah, that, that Latin flavor, man, different. We'll have to GTS that. My wife always tells me. I'll, I'll ask her a question. She'll be like, uh, GTS it. Google that shit. <laughs> Love to GTS that one, but I think they're still together. Even though he's always like singing to all these women and stuff, I think I think he's still with Anna Kornikova. Yeah, what's his hit? Because I was about to say Upside Inside Out, but that's Ricky Martin living the vida loca. I get them confused, which isn't okay. racist. Any that's a normal thing. Anybody would get those two confused. Don't picture me as a racist people. It's just Ricky Martin and Enrique Iglesias. Yeah, they're kind of, that kind of contemporaries. Music. Yeah. Yeah. Come on now. He has that song I I wanna be your hero baby or something that he's saying. Oh. Jennifer Love Hewitt is in the video. Damn. I think he kind of hooked up with her for a minute. Damn, Enrique. Wow. Yeah. Man, Jennifer Love Hewitt, I know what you did last summer. Woo, man, they had to make a second one because she was so bad. <laughs> she looked so good. They had to make a second one. That's one of the worst movies ever. But she looked so good. They were like, yo, we got to keep it going. She, she's alive. She survived the first one. So, And she's like from Waco. Really? She's a Texas girl? Or Colleen. Colleen. Wow. Harsh. Two five Wow. Yeah. I think she's from K Town. We'll have to check with Harge oh. on that. Okay. Yeah. Jennifer Love uh, Hewitt. From every day. I don't know if she's a shoemaker or Ellison or Colleen High, but I think yeah. she's K Town. Yeah. And of course we have Jessica Simpson from uh from BK's high school. Yeah. Richardson Pierce. 
That's my girl, man. They they talk about her raw because the whole like is chicken tuna thing with you know Nick Lachey back in the show. She always after that, I don't think she ever got back on top. You know what I'm saying? Because she already was like the third wheel to what Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera had going on, but she was a sleeper, man. Like she Dukes a Hazard. That's a horrible movie too, but. She kind of makes the movie. Like, you got Sean William Scott and Johnny Knoxville. Oh, good luck trying to enjoy that one. But when she walks into play, you're like, oh, okay. I guess that's my movie. That's when her marriage went to hell. She apparently, she apparently got with Bam Majera on the set of that movie. Bam Margera? Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm, hmm. I mean, to each his own, but Nick Lachey, jackass Bam Margera. Yeah. Like, slapstick dipshit Bam Margera. I think that was her showing her wild oats. Then she ended up with that. uh, Oh, my gosh. She ended up with that. Who'd she end up with that? Tight end? I don't know. I, after after she dated Romo for a little bit, I she fell off her for me. Like that's the last time I really remember seeing Jessica Simpson like out here, out here. Like when she was messing with Tony Romo and rocking that number nine white and pink jersey. Yeah, and he was terrible whenever yeah. she was at the game. And remember, he went to Cabo with her, and like right before the playoffs, and everyone was like. Jessica Simpson ruined it. And it's like, no, Tony ruined it. Yeah. Because yeah, Jason Witten went to Cabo too. He played fine. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. basically, yeah. Romo was just. Yo, you and guy. I say it on this show all the time, my guy. That thing thing always wins. Undefeated. <laughs> Undefeated. Undefeated. Well, Never been tied. Never Yo. been tied. Hey, we're going to have a serious problem if you don't come on vacation with me. Because I'm going to be out here looking good in a bikini. I'm going to need somebody to run sunblock on me. And you're the only one I want to do that. What you going to say? This is Jessica Simpson, what, circa 07, 08? What you going to say? Come on, man. I can't I can't blame Tony, man. I can't. And we had Jeff Howe last week. You missed it. When you were up uh, in Tampa, we had Jeff Howe on Friday. Friday, jump on in the mix of a switch with um, me and Rodney, and then Jeff and Trey came on, and Jeff, first thing Jeff said, he was just riding on Tony Romo, killing my man, saying he ain't a top five Dallas quarterback of all time, saying he's overrated and suck like that, and I'm like, man, I remember Tony being all right, you know, some injuries come here or there, but that, you know. I agree, by the way. The Romo. What, with Jeff? Yeah, I'm like, don't talk to me about Tony Romo getting his name in the ring of honor. Don't ever talk to me about Tony Romo as a pro football Hall of Fame candidate ever, ever. That guy, yeah. half the reason for his comebacks, like he had fourth quarter comebacks, were because he threw three picks in the first half and he had to overcome it. <laughs> I'm like, it was like what Rick Barnes said about James Thomas. He's the, you know why he's the all-time leading rebounder or was before Damian James at Texas? Because he had to rebound his own misses. He 
was constantly going up to get his own misses, and he got more rebounds. Yeah, yeah. See, I've I know and, and Jerry Jones ruined the Cowboys because he refused to draft quarterbacks when Romo was here, and so he overpaid. He paid him that fifty million guaranteed to a thirty-three-year-old quarterback with a bad back. He lasted five minutes. Then Dak Prescott came in, and you're like, "Woo! Look at this! This is great!" And now Dak got the money, and he don't want to run. Although he ran last night, he ran for 18 yards and a touchdown. That's great. Way to go, Dak! That's what I'm talking about. Dak's back. That's all he needed. That's all he needed was that wake up call, just like the Texas Longhorns with OU. It's all he needed was that wake up call. People like you saying, "I'm done with Dak. It's over. I can't stand up and start looking for next stuff." That's all he needed to hear. About to go on the run. It's off to a hey, NFC Championship. Cowboys, Detroit Lions. Bam! Right there for that ass. Oh, I'm That's all, where I'm, we're going. I'm so in. <laughs> with Do what you I saw last night. We're, did you hear him dropping F-bombs at the presser last night? He dropped the F-bomb? Oh, yeah. Damn, He's like Dak. salty Dak now. Yeah, I like that. He's been that. salty all year. I like yeah, I like that. I need that. Why? What's there to be happy about? What have you won? What have you done? Nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Leading the league in interceptions in 2022? Absolutely. You have every right to be salty, a little bit bitter, a little bit angry, and you need to apply that to the field. So you know, you know who I like though? You, you know who I like for the Cowboys? I like Tony Pollard, man. He's a little dude who runs big and tough. Like he yeah. gets through tackles and I like Tony Pollard, man. Yeah. Yeah, his the beginning of the fourth quarter, that play where Dak did a great job just kind of escaping the pocket and throwing to Tony Pollard in the center of the field. And the fact that you're like, oh, man, this dude's going to get tackled. He broke that tackle and took for another 30-something-plus yards. And it's like, dude, that was the play of the game for me. I mean, Dak made some other big-time throws, but that was the play of the game because that was just kind of the gut shot to the L.A. Chargers last night. Then they go on. He throws that pass to CeeDee Lamb to get him on the five across the middle. Then he hits Brandon Cooks with that great lob pass. That had a great touch and air on it to where Brandon Cooks could just run under it um, towards the – side of the end zone but yeah man tony pollard i'm with you i i want him to get going more still they just haven't been able to really get him going like only 30 yards with 15 carries last night against the chargers but yeah if you get him involved in the passing game and he was open on that wheel route too on that third down in the fourth quarter where Dak threw it in the back of the end zone he was open Dak's obviously just got to hit him but yeah tony pollard if he could start getting into the passing game even more then he's going to become one of those just like Austin Eckler's and McCaffrey's and stuff, do it all backs that you can really rely on. Yeah. 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 I, I, you know, I was watching that game last night. It's clear. Micah Parsons is hurt. He's ankle. He's not, he's, he's more of a decoy right now than he is anything else. Although he came up with that big play at the end of the game, which was huge. Like, He really was kind of just dancing with whoever was across from him all night. And then, and then boom, when they had to have it, he, he got Herbert to the ground and kind of 
sealed the win. But you can tell he's hurt. I mean, all these guys are playing hurt. I mean, we are talking about Amon Ra with his oblique. Let's see how Christian McCaffrey handles his oblique. Because Amon Ra's got a tear in his oblique. He's playing. Let's see if McCaffrey. But Amon Ra's playing on his rookie deal. Yeah. McCaffrey's got the money. McCaffrey can say, no, I'm not. No. Yeah. I'll sit out another couple weeks. Yeah. And that's a big reason why your Lions look so good right now and better capitalize right now. Because you know Aiden Hutchinson going to get paid. You know Amin Ross A. Brown going to get paid. And eventually they're going to look at Jamison Williams and be like, all right, what about you, dog? Because I think if he stops gambling and actually can play some games here consistently, that dude could be a difference maker. He has a little bit of Tyreek Hill in him. Like if you sip a little bit of yak and close your eyes and do about five three sixties and then look out on the field, you see Jamison Williams and you see a little bit of Tyreek Hill in him. So are you asking me to play the dizzy bat game so that I can see some Tyreek Hill? I'm just saying. I know some people listening to us right now probably like Zay. You compare Jamison Williams to Tyreek Hill right now, who's on pace to get over two thousand yards receiving. He's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know if you saw him doing backflips or somebody's flip phone in one of the lower sections, but yeah, like I, I know people are gonna be like, all right, Zay, let's relax a little bit. Well, what's really in that red cup? If you comparing Jamison Williams to Tyreek Hill, not compared like that. But there's a little bit in him, and that's really just speed. Like, Tyreek has a lot more to his game, which makes him a Hall of Fame receiver. But, yeah, man, that's there's going to be some paydays for this Lions team coming up, and they better capitalize now before that happens on these guys' rookie contracts. Wow. I don't even know what to say about all that. I'm What? You're going to have to pay them, dude, especially if they produce it? Oh, yeah. No, you're going to – yeah. No, you're gonna have to pay him. You're gonna have to pay him. You're gonna have to pay him. I hated the Jameson Williams pick, and I'm still not sure about it at all. Like the Lions do well in their, and and I like the Aiden Hutchinson pick. He's hurt too. He was limping around the field, yeah. so it's like he was kind of just dancing with guys. Yeah, but I, I don't know how you stay healthy in the NFL. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how, I don't how you do that. <laughs> but that Azalone guy. Yeah. That dude's fast. Like, he's a great coverage linebacker. Yeah. So he, he can close on people in space, and he had to cover a route all the way down the field with a receiver, and he did it. And I was like, okay, now I know why that dude's playing. He's not big. He's not this. He's not that. But he's he's fast. Yeah. And he'll probably last, like, two years in the league. <laughs> <laughs> That speed will go away. They'll bring in the next long-haired, blonde-haired guy, and away we go. But the dude's playing pretty well right now. Yeah, I know. People look at guys like Luke Keefley and Barry Sanders or Calvin Johnson, guys that hung it up maybe earlier than what we thought they were going to do. And it's like, bro, are you watching every Sunday what's going on? How do you survive years and years? Like what Tom Brady did, I get it. It's quarterback still. Like he could have easily, he got Joe Theismann and was out a year. Like, you know what I'm saying? So Tom Brady still dealt with his, you know, share of injuries throughout his career. But yeah, man, like 
when I see guys like Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson and Luke Keefley, the guys that hang it up early, I especially the ones that are going to the Hall of Fame, I say, hey, man, you're smart. Like, there's guys out here with CTE and just bad everything. And, yeah. Those I, linebackers? Oh. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to be good, you're going to take a beating. Right. <laughs> Like that's just what it is. Like, like guys that aren't good. Anyone checked on Mike? Has anyone checked on Mike Singletary lately? Is he okay? <laughs> Yo, he does some things where you're like, is is this CTE? Like that press conference that he had when he was with San Francisco. That, that, one of those. Yeah, one with him. Yeah, you're like he's, okay now. He's talking about his stud tight end. Yeah, Vernon uh, Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis. Yeah. Has anyone checked on Zach Thomas lately? Is he doing okay? See, he looked good. He, he looked good when he, he saw that the neck. Name. Yeah. Yeah, he had that strong ass. He had that neck. tree trunk neck. Yeah, man. So Takeo Spikes had that too. Yeah. Yo, I, like, I think that makes a good linebacker, man. Um. Oh, good God. Ray Lewis. Yeah, like, he doesn't got it. Yeah, but he's Brian Urlacher got it too. Brian Urlacher yeah. got a big ass head. You gotta have that neck. Head. Oh my god, it's a shock absorber neck. Yeah, because <laughs> if you just have a normal neck, oh, you're CTE, you're doomed. Yeah. But if you got that shock absorber kind of red oak neck, yeah, man, you got a chance. Like Leighton Vanderash, he don't got that neck. He don't got that neck. That neck. I don't know if Micah does either. Maybe he does. Maybe Micah does. I don't know. I need a closer look. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, back to the yeah, We've had Chris's comment up here for a while. Well, I know, because we haven't answered it yet. Oh, okay. I was like, are we having technical difficulties? Appreciate you, Chris. We kind of, we got sidetracked. We went Anna Kornikova, Jessica Simpson, and then somehow, oh yeah, Tony Romo brought us back to the Cowboys, Cowboys Chargers. So now, say, what say you, or I'll go first if you want me to, but biggest challenge for Texas in the back half. Chris is suggesting Kansas State with Avery Johnson, Iowa State at night in Ames, potentially. TCU um, at Fort Worth. Yeah, I would say TCU. They look good this past week, you know. But yeah, with this new quarterback. That's a tough one. Huh? With this new quarterback who's better than Chandler yeah. Morris. Josh Hoover. Yeah. I mean, Chandler Morris, I don't trust Chandler Morris. I mean, he threw those. Did they bench him? Or, or he, no, he got hurt. He got hurt. Yeah, he's hurt. He's hurt. Yeah. So once again, Chandler Morris goes down and, oh, TCU has a better quarterback waiting in the wings. <laughs> Max Duggan, meet Josh Hoover. Oof. Yeah, I mean... You're Sonny Dykes. You got to play who's right and who's ready. And that locker room will tell you who they want. If that locker room is rolling with new kid Josh Hoover, then sorry, Chandler Morris. You might want to enter that name in the transfer portal because, hey, Max Duggan, I get it. That dude led us to national championship game. 
Josh, whoever, mm, I don't know if I can ride with that if I'm Chandler Morris. Because it ain't his fault. The dude's getting hurt. It's not like it's his play. But now you can look at his play in previous games and be like, you haven't been great. We know you have potential, but this guy is coming in like gangbusters. And it's only one game. This Hoover guy has to be consistent. But I don't know, Chris. That's a tough question, man. Like, because even Ames, that Iowa State team with Beck, like, Lord have mercy. That's just a tough watch. Like, I remember those days where they were developing all those three stars and two stars, and they end up playing like five stars, especially against Texas. But I don't know. They got two good wins with TCU and Cincinnati. But, yeah, Texas I've Texas can't play with their food. They can't. No. All right, so K-State. K-State, I thought they were going to be, I thought they were going to be dominant. I mean, I thought they would beat Missouri. I thought they would beat Oklahoma State. They did not. But they went to Lubbock and they manhandled Tech last week. Now, Tech was down to Jake Strong. So how about the irony of this, Zay? Our man Joey McGuire is going all goo goo gaga before the season about Tyler Shuck and Baron Morton. People need to be talking about our quarterback room. You know, everyone's talking about, you know, Michigan and USC. What about our quarterback room? Now look at your quarterback room. And Donovan Smith, now, I get that. Texas Tech beat. Can you hear my dog snoring right now? I heard something. I heard something. I heard. I didn't think that was a snore, but I heard something. Oh, now he's quiet. That was crazy. All right. So now you got Donovan Smith, and I get it. Texas Tech beat Houston, but Donovan Smith is cooking. He's been cooking the last couple of games. And and now old Joey McGuire could use Donovan Smith. Because Texas Tech is three and four, kids. Mm. Texas Tech is three and four. Yeah. Lost to West Virginia. Lost to K-State. Lost to Oregon because Tyler Shuck threw an interception late when they were driving. All they needed was a field goal. Yeah, that was a big win for him. Wyoming. Listen, I like Joey McGuire. I like Joey McGuire. Like, I liked him when he was at Cedar Hill, and I liked him. I've liked him his whole career. He's a fiery guy. I think he's writing checks. His mouth can't cash quite yet right now. I know he was fired up because he beat both Texas and Oklahoma last year. Like, what a way to start things off. You win eight games, you beat Texas and Oklahoma, they're, they're ready to write you checks, you think you got, you know, the team. Now you're three and four. And who does Tech play this week? Tech plays, ooh, at BYU. Now, BYU has been t- Terrible on the road. 
but they are. Do you remember when BYU went to Arkansas and won? Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, I do. When the way that Arkansas played Alabama, that's pretty shocking now that we think about it. Because Alabama was up 18 points against Arkansas, and they came back, and that ended up being a 24-21 dub for the Crimson Tide. And you got Nick Saban basically bowing to KJ Jefferson after the game, which he made some spectacular plays. But, yeah, it's crazy how college football works. Thinking about Like, that's the, that's the that loss game. that has Sam Pittman in trouble at Arkansas. And I'm like, leave Sam Pittman alone, okay? Like, I don't know exactly what happened in that BYU Arkansas game, but that's now everyone's like, oh, Sam Pittman needs to go. I'm like, shut up. That guy is perfect for Arkansas, okay? Like, if he goes five and seven, you need to keep him and you need to. The problem with these fan bases is they get pissed off, like AM right now. AM, everyone's like, what do you do with Jimbo Fisher? What do you do with Jimbo Fisher? What do you do? Well, then recruits don't want to go there because the fans are all like, ah, Jimbo. It's like it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if Arkansas fans are really like if they can't remember the Chad Morris years, they need to be slapped around because those were awful years. Like they ran off Brett Bielema. They're going to run off Sam Pittman. Pittman will go somewhere, Georgia Southern and win big or something. But like, leave Sam Pittman alone, okay? He lost to BYU, whatever. But BYU at home, Zay is a different deal. And yeah. OU has to play BYU in Provo. Ooh. Put that one in your back pocket because BYU on the road, you don't know what you're going to get. They lost to Kansas by 11. They lost to TCU 44 to 11 last week. But they get Texas Tech in Provo this week. Then they come to Austin. Then they go to, like, they they got the shaft, but they're a new member, so what do you expect? They have to play three of four on the road. They just played three of four on the road. Then they go home and play Tech, and then they go back-to-back on the road at Texas, at West Virginia. Then they get Iowa State at home, and then Boomer Sooner comes to Provo November 18th. Huh. Put that one in your back pocket because you don't listen, Texas fans. You want OU to win everything. You want OU to win every game by thirty, so that they're number two by the time Texas plays them again in the Big Twelve Championship game. If that's how it's going to play out, like don't be cheering for OU to lose. You need Texas is falling off the radar for these next for the next month. They just got to handle business. And then you need a top five showdown for the Big 12 championship so that the winner is no ifs, ands, or buts in the playoff. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm 100% with you. And that's why Texas, these next six games, they got to win them very convincingly, like blowouts. Blowouts. We running up the score. Like I said yesterday, I need people to be questioning Steve Sarkeesian's heart. Like, yo, this dude got no heart. He running up the score and stuff. Like, hey, yo, we just doing what we got to do. We just trying to put ourselves. It ain't our fault. It ain't a 12-team playoff. And teams got to scrap and claw just to get in. We don't want to be like Nick Saban in 2022, bitching about, oh, we should have got in and stuff. No, you don't want to leave 
any doubt. So yeah, Texas has to take care of their business, and so does Oklahoma. I, you know, it's kind of a win-win for me if they go on and win out. That's fine. That means Texas is going to face them, and they have a better chance of going to the CFP. Or if they lose, it's Oklahoma. They deserve to loss. Oh well, whatever it is, what it is. Brent Venables, all that. That shit they're talking with the NIL deal for Danny Stutzman, it just makes me sick. And you talk about uh, uh, Joey McGuire, who has a little bit of meathead in him. I don't know it's because he's this is his first time being a big-time Powers 5 head coach, but that's one thing I could really appreciate about Steve Sarkeesian because he understands – what being a head coach means. You can't say things like on camera, everything runs through love. And I get it, Texas and Texas Tech. Oh, it's a big difference there. But Brent Venables has a lot of that in him too. Because this is a guy that also hasn't been a head coach at the level of Oklahoma. And he just, you know, Trey Allen hit it on the head yesterday before you jumped on. Talked about, yeah, some of these guys do that defensive coordinator shit where it's like, bro, you're a head coach. You got to carry yourself in a different way. You know what I'm saying? That's your assistants do all that meathead, rah-rah stuff, head button. That's one thing that Tom Herman was horrible at. He had that meathead, I'm a coordinator mentality. Like, no, you're the head coach of the University of Texas. You have to kind of be a little bit more wine and cheese, but also know when to turn it on. And Sark showed us flashes of the meathead. The Alamo Bowl last year where he cussed out just the helpless Alamo, um, you know, dome worker that was just trying to get him in the right spot. We didn't have to cuss him out, Sark. I feel like you've been going to some anger management because I haven't seen anything close to that since. L'Oreal, thank you for that. I'm sure you saw that. It was like, yo, you can't be embarrassing me out there like this. You can't, you can't be doing that. That was not a good look for Steve Sarkeesian. So again, you got to carry yourself a certain way and Brent Venables, you're putting a huge bullseye on your back the way that you're rolling. And Joey McGuire, he's dealing with it now. Yeah. So be careful. That, like you said, ride a check that your ass can't cash. Be careful, man, because anybody's willing to get you from week to week. It's a week to week process. Ask Deion Sanders. Can I tell you a story about Tom Herman? Yeah, of course. Yo, man, by the way, did you pay? Does Chris and you have some arrangement? Is he giving you money? Because we kept it, keeping his. You know, thing up here. Oh, sorry. Stuff. I appreciate Chris. Chris, I love you, dog. I appreciate you listening. You my guy. I'm just trying to figure out, like, man, y'all, you got, you giving Chip some money that I don't know about? Like, put me on. We leave you up. So Tom Herman. So Tom Herman. Okay, first of all, Mac Brown was on the waiting list at Austin Country Club for from 2013 until, I want to say it was like, 2018 damn yeah and so the president of the club was like you know what we need to get mac brown in and so we're gonna let's fast track mac brown and while we're at it let's let's fast track tom herman so herman gets fast tracked into austin country club tom herman's first time he shows up to play golf at austin country club he shows up in cargo shorts, brings his own beer. There it is. In a big cooler. Yeah. Is playing his music super loud. Has guys in golf carts who aren't even playing. So they have like six guys on a hole. And like all the other members are like, what on earth is happening here? 
And the president of the club had to talk to Herman and say, hey, Tom, uh, look, we fast-tracked you into the club or you'd be sitting there on a waiting list like Mac was for five years. Yeah, that can never happen again. And now he's living in Daytona. But yeah, Tom, you know, for a guy who is Mensa, not very self-aware. No, you got to read the room. room. Not very self-aware. Oh, man. So, so like, back to Mac. Why did it take him so long to get in? Like, Mac didn't have enough pool? Like, he didn't know enough people? With no connections? This I mean, is very he, confusing to me. If he wanted to join a club in Dallas or Houston, he had all kinds of power brokers who could pull strings. But he didn't... He didn't have them at Austin Country Club. Isn't that crazy? That is wild. That's very odd. Because, I mean, you know, we know Mac, the end wasn't good, but he's up there with Daryl K. Roll and those guys. Like, I don't really under, that's kind of well, wild to me. So here's the crazy thing. He got, he, he and Sally decided to get on the waiting list in 2013, the year yeah. that everything went to hell. Uh, like the year that everyone was like, fire him. And then he, remember, he he messed up the Saban thing. Like Saban would have come if Mac would have said, yes, I'm good with Nick Saban replacing me. I hand you the keys, Nick. Like Nick would have come. But once he knew that Mac was like out of his mind, like head spinning around, like the exorcist. Nick was like, wow. And yeah. so that's why I think Mac didn't get fast tracked. Like that, that was the beginning of the end. Damn. And, and uh, you know, you, fan is short for fanatic. And some of those Austin country clubbers, I mean, Mac was a member at UT Golf Club, but I guess he wanted to be at Austin Country Club. So. Anyway, that was, yeah, Tom Herman, that guy was not self-aware. And he loved Urban Meyer, Liar Meyer. Like, he wanted to be and tried to be Urban Meyer. Like, the stuff that Tom Herman said to players, making stuff personal, it's amazing Tom Herman didn't get his ass beat by some, like, a like a position group right? on his own team. Yeah. Because he said, he said shit to players. You could not believe. And. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. You can just tell something's off from the public stuff from flicking off the camera on signing days to, you know, head button folks like he did some very, very questionable things. And I know you as much as anybody would know all the stuff behind the scenes that we probably can't talk about on the show. That's something that I'm going to talk about with you behind the scenes. But yeah, man, that's uh, that's sad. Like if your idol's Urban Meyer, oh, man, like, ah. <laughs> Because that dude has his own luggage that is very tainted. So that ain't a good look. What? 
so ever, man. That Florida documentary, Swamp Kings, that was like a laundering of Urban Meyer's crappy reputation. Like yeah. that, that was produced, it seemed, by Liar Meyer and Tim Tebow. Yeah. Because, like, you actually were reminded of when Urban Meyer was an up-and-coming coach, kind of a trailblazer. But, man, that dude, talk about just turning your head the other way. Like, he did shit way worse than our Bryles did at Baylor. Oh, my gosh. Like, Aaron Hernandez was killing people. <laughs> see, see, why are you making me laugh, man? This, this is the second time where I have moments like, damn, I'm going to hell. I just, <laughs> like, Aaron Hernandez is rolling up to a stoplight and yeah. killing people. No. And once you get away with it, apparently, if you're Aaron Hernandez, it becomes a thing. Man, let's see if I'm going to be Dexter and see if I can get away with this again and again and again. I'm going to kill people. And have you heard like Cam Newton talking about it? Like Cam Newton's calling Aaron Hernandez by his nickname and stuff, like his cute little nickname. Like he was just a saint. Like he was just a good old Christian boy. And I'm like, Cam, how many times did you get hit in the lead? Because... As you said, this dude's a murderer. <laughs> like, I, I, I get that you knew him, but I think they called him Chico or something. I don't know. Like, Chino, Chico, something like that. It's like, yo, this dude don't need no nickname. Like, if anything, you should just be calling him him. That's it. You know where, you know where Aaron Hernandez is from? He's like from, from Connecticut, right? Bristol, Connecticut. Yeah. Where ESPN, ESPN. is. Apparently, there is a mad gang scene on the bad side of Bristol, Connecticut. Wow. You can believe that. Connecticut's like yeah, the size of a Tic Tac. And you think that, like, everything going on there is just, like, where all the New York companies have offices so that their executives don't have to be trucking into New York City all the time. Apparently, there was some gang scene there that had Aaron Hernandez all tatted up and killing <laughs> bugging killing for yeah. bugging oh man. Crazy, yeah. man yeah he was thugging for real and wow that's that will always be a crazy story to me absolutely shout out to our coda text line 512-222-9328 somebody said ship they really appreciated your um, notebook this morning. They also asked, what do you think Sark means by meaning he might be more aggressive on fourth down going forward? I don't think my heart can take him going for it on fourth and seven, or yeah, fourth and seven moving forward. I mean, it was like, I don't know if he's just throwing that out there, like shark chum in the water. Or if he's decided that Savion Red is his short yardage machine. But I thought that was interesting because, you know, they're, they've been cooking on fourth down, 10 of 14. I mean, they've gone for it a lot. 
and and they've had success. At first, I thought he was like just trying to get the attention off of the red zone issues because he's like, you know, I think it gets lost how efficient we've been. We've been really moving the ball. We're very efficient. We've gotten better on third down, and we're super good on fourth down. So we're going to lean into that a little bit more here the second half of the season. I'm like, look, I'm good with it. My philosophy on fourth down is this, Zay. If I'm at home, take some chances. You got the crowd there to pick you up. No problem. You're in a tough road environment. Take the points. Take the points. Unless you've got a fake. Unless you've got a fake punt like Texas had with Jordan Whittington. That was perfect. That was great. You caught him napping. Boom. Great play. But if you're on the road, take the points. Like, I'm, I'm watching the game last night, the Cowboys and Chargers. And look, once again, the Cowboys bogged down in the red zone and screwed up a fourth down call. They got away with it. They won. But it's, it's you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Like, oh, man, they're going to say that we can't score touchdowns in the red zone. Well, sometimes... If your defense is playing okay, kick the field goals. Don't get don't get proud about it. Go back to the lab. Go back to practice. Figure figure something else out. But man, that's my thing. If I'm on the road, I'm taking the points. It always used to drive me crazy. Tom Herman would always go for it. Like at Iowa State, they end up losing the game by one point. Yeah. He also going to Sam. Who's going to choose? Going to run. Quarterback power, right? Who's getting the ball? Who? Oh, I wonder who's getting it. Oh my gosh! What a shocker, Thomas. Sam Ellinger is getting the ball on a fourth and two. Shocker! Right. God, that was such a bad play. And then they get stuffed, and it's a big <laughs> momentum change. And then Iowa State <laughs> touchdown. Oh my lord. Yeah, yeah. That so UTSD is very painful right now. I, right when you said that, I knew exactly what play you were talking about, man. I could just see it. Like, I just remember thinking before it was even snapped, oh, Sam's getting the ball right here. They know Sam's getting the ball right here. This isn't going to work. Sure I'm enough, that happened. And you're right. Momentum just shifts. Yeah. And. That call last night that the Cowboys had, the zone read play where Dak scored, that was a fourth down play, right? And that was a great play. everybody thought Pollard was getting it. The defense just goes, and then yeah. whoop, Dak running equals success. Dak has to run. He has to use his legs. Like we talked to Dan Neal, John Elway. John Elway, his legs were a huge part. Like, everyone talks about his arm. Oh, my God, his arm. John Elway ran and made plays. And he might be the most all-around quarterback to ever throw the pigskin. If you want to look at his legs and how powerful his arm was and the accuracy, like, I know Brady's Brady, and you mentioned Peyton Manning and Montana and stuff, but just straight-up quarterback talent – 
Elway with his athleticism, being a baseball player and stuff, all that, like that dude was special, man. I, I think he needs to be talked about more. I think people forget about him. And he's, he's big. Like he's giant. He's yeah. big. He's thick. He's like an oak tree. Yeah. That was one thing I couldn't believe. Peyton Manning came to the Red River shootout in 08, and the elevator opened to go up to the press box, and there was Peyton Manning. And he's like, hey, everybody, I'm, I'm not quite sure where I'm going. I, you know, and he was enormous. He's enormous. Peyton Manning is a yeah. giant. And John Elway's that way, but John Elway could run. Peyton looked yeah. like a looked like a praying mantis out there, you know? Yeah. He was, he was stiff. Like, yeah. <laughs> You're a little stiff. You're a little stiff. Oh my. But yeah. And that's where, you know, Quinn making plays with his legs, that stuff matters. And the crazy thing is. Sark has called a couple plays, like the play on the goal line where Quinn ran in against uh, Kansas. Like the five-yard touchdown run he had against Wyoming was a scramble drill. And he found the end zone and merciful heavens. Otherwise, Texas's red zone numbers would be awful. But because like you look at all the other red zone offenses in the Big 12, they all have way more rushing touchdowns in the red zone than passing touchdowns. Like way more. And we talked about this yesterday. Only Baylor and Cincinnati have fewer touchdowns in, you know, percentage wise to their number of trips into the red zone. And I wish Sark would just work on that. Work on running plays. Maybe that you haven't shown a lot that Jonathan Brooks is comfortable with and let's see how that looks. You know what I mean? Because a dude's talented. He can break some tackles. He can get stuff done. Yeah. It helps if you have yeah. your center. If you don't, then maybe we hide that fact and we roll it out. We waggle. We run past option. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Jake Majors or Cole Hudson. Is it going to be another, you know, Connor Robinson game? At least he's going to be prepared for this one. You know, (laughs) if he does play, at least he'll get a lot of reps in practice with the first team and be a part of just a scout report for what U of H does instead of just getting thrown into the fire when it's basically burning the house down. When Jake Majors gets hurt, you don't know you're going to play. But yeah, to... Just getting those red zone yardage and getting these touchdowns. You heard Dan Neal talk with us yesterday about, well, the running back has to be better too. And it's so easy not to throw Jonathan Brooks in part of the struggles because of what he's doing just in general, like how dominant he's been, being one of the best running backs in the nation, especially with Bijan and Roshan leaving to the NFL. So it's hard to say anything negative about Jonathan Brooks, but if you are going to say something negative about him, it's going to have to be his red zone presence and him being better at that. Hopefully Tashar Choi sees that, and when they go into film, practice, and stuff, like you said, Sark and them, they're focusing more on those red zone points because they got to get them. You can't settle for threes and expect to be a championship team. Like, it just won't happen. So, you know, going back to that second play on those four uh, 
four consecutive plays where OU stopped the horn. Toss sweep. Toss sweep. Should have bounced that out. Yeah. Should have bounced that out. You know, everything got clogged up. You were still on your feet. He'll learn that stuff. Well, hopefully he'll learn that stuff. But that that comes with experience, man. That comes with repetition. Like, he hasn't been in these situations very often because he just got garbage minutes all of last year. And this is his first season. He's only played six starting games. And, hell, he didn't even start the first one. They started C.J. Baxter. So, like, Jonathan Brooks, it will come. And I think he'll learn. But, yeah, I think he needs a little bit more, I wouldn't say – like a critique type thing, but I think he needs to be thrown in the mix of he needs to do his part also in helping that offensive line, especially if they want to go those big jumbo packages, which it's Texas. Like y'all got guys that are better than that defensive line. Y'all got to win those matchups. Like when the defense knows you're going to run sometimes, you just got to win them. Like that's football. Like you just, your best teams say it don't matter what we're running at times. We're going to win our matchups because we're just better than you. And yes, I have said, and I'm going to ride on this. Sark sometimes could get arrogant with that, but that's why he's getting paid all that money. That's why he's a millionaire to make those decisions. Hey, when do I just play a power game? And when? do I get cute and throw something at them that they might not expect? Like, you got to figure out that balance, and we haven't seen that yet in the red zone. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, they're running split zone really well. They're running inside zone, outside zone. I mean, my God, he averaged 10 yards a carry on outside zone against Kansas. I mean, I I think you can work with Jonathan Brooks. Like, he's not a one-dimensional guy. He can run a bunch of different stuff. And we know he's great in the screen game. So he needs to be more involved, period. Yeah. And what did Daniel say about the magic of the Shanahan, Denver Broncos running scheme, San Francisco 49ers running scheme? They get everything going. It's It's a zone running scheme. So get all the offensive linemen going one direction. Then you roll out the quarterback against the grain and you've got, you know, the tight end Kittle on a drag route, something. You do a high-low, so you've got the drag route low. you got something deeper, high. It's kind of a split read, an easy read. You're cutting the field in half. Like, okay, where's that? I mean, and Sark's run it. He's run it. I'm just saying. You got everybody all bunched up. They got to worry about Jonathan Brooks. They have to because the guy's number two rusher in college football. So use that to your advantage and work it. You know, I know the field's compressed, everything, blah, blah, blah. But man, when you were crazy like you were. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as creative as you could get, the better. I mean, whenever JT Sanders is completely healthy, maybe do some stuff where you're in the shotgun, you got JT Sanders going in motion, and all of a sudden he gets under center and takes a snap and just goes forward instead of trying to do a tush push or brotherly shove type of deal because you're afraid of Quinn Ewers getting injured. Or work with Malik Murphy. Get his big 6'6", 230-something pound ass out there and let him run that ball. Or yeah, dive over that thing. Throw that thing over the pylon and get them touchdowns, man. Like, mix it up. Mix it up. And I don't know if they're... Yeah, I don't know. Are they trying to like 
you can't be looking at Malik Murphy talking about like there is no red shirt with him, right? Like if he doesn't play right. a certain amount of games. So what throw him out there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Savion Red too. Like there's too much talent and too many places you could go for this red zone defense to be where it's at right now. Like Baylor, Cincinnati, those are the two that are behind okay. you. That's okay. a good look. Here's your point. I'm gonna make your point for you, Zay. In 2006, Florida had Chris Leak, and they could not do anything in the red zone, remember? Yeah. And then they bring in Tebow. Yeah. Now, Tebow is a fullback, playing quarterback. Yeah, he was nuts. When he got the ball, he was running dudes over. I don't know if Malik Murphy no, has he's not that. that. He's not that. that. Yeah, that dude was insane. But a package. Yeah. How about a package? How about a package from Malik Murphy? Yeah. I mean. Because you got to worry about him throwing, too. Yes. Like, you yes. got to worry about him throwing, too. Oh, he's coming in. Quinn, you going out. They must be running it. But this dude's an actual quarterback. This ain't no gimmick. This ain't no wide receiver or tight end, you know, Savion Red, even though he was a quarterback in uh, high school. Like, this ain't one of those. Like, this is a dude that's actually – a quarterback on the roster. So there's that threat too. But yeah, I'm with you, Chip. Like that's I would love some of that 06 Florida action. A team that won the national championship. You know? I mean so you got talent, man. You gotta get creative. Hell, Arch Manning's hitting 20 miles an hour. Get his ass in there. Somebody uh, uh, there ain't no way. I'm still I still need tape on that. I still need to. No, I know. That's I know. a little fiction I, to me. I've had I've had people tell me like Malik's quarterbacks coach Danny Hernandez has said, "Listen, Malik's not a runner. Like he's a pocket guy, but surely he's athletic enough to pick up first and goal from the one. Yeah, dive over the top. You're six six. He's got to have a little spring in those legs." Oh, yeah. have a bounce? Absolutely. I mean, Zay, what was your vertical? Oh, man. Oh. At peak, at peak performance. Vertical, we talking high 20s. Okay. Low 30s. That'll do it. That. That's enough when you're 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. Low 20s is enough when you're 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> I just need a little turbo, a little lift off. Yeah. Just give me a little something. Yeah. Just don't get into my don't get into my legs before I get my my Walter Payton jump over the top, you know? I mean, you know, it's frustrating because these next six games, it shouldn't be a problem. Like you shouldn't have to really go in your bag and find something crazy to throw at these teams. Like they just don't match up with you. Against Oklahoma, that's when you should have been creative. That's when you throw them something that they haven't seen on film. When you throw Byron Murphy and Trafondre Sweat in there, that's easy. They know what's coming. So it's t- it's it's just tough to mix it up in that, you know, sense. Because that team is just so much better. But now these next four, uh, six games or so, that's when you're good playing in Byron Murphy and T. Sweat. Because those guys are going to be able to move these guys because they're just not as talented or as big as what Oklahoma has. Like, Oklahoma has more five stars than Texas. I know that's hard to believe with a team that went six and seven in 2022, but they do. So 
They got guys over there that are very talented also. These next six games, I don't think we're going to see that. So are you going to have to be that desperate where you're throwing the whole kitchen sink at them on the goal line? I hope not. I, I, I hope I hope it could be easy and you can just overpower this team. But what we've seen thus far, we can't rely on that, ship. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's grab a little... Uh... Let's grab a moment here with our man Hank South of Horns247.com. Talk a little Texas football, a little recruiting. Hank, what's going on? Dog. What up, dog? How are y'all? Oh, yeah, you know, we're just popping up. On, we're yeah, trying to solve Texas's red zone problems. You got any issue? You got any solutions? I mean, hey, save you on red. Um, Maybe incorporate the uh, the Eagles uh, Hertz push tush push. Maybe we can do that. No, Only they can do it. Hank, did you see the Cowboys <laughs> game last night? The Cowboys tried on fourth down, didn't get yeah. it. If you look all over the NFL, they're trying to duplicate the brotherly shove, and nobody can do it. Like Jalen Hurts and Kelsey and all those guys, they just got the magic with that play, man, and nobody else can figure it out. It's really odd. Well, doesn't doesn't Jalen Hurts squat like a thousand pounds? Like he like yeah. have you seen that guy lift weights? He's insane. See, yeah. <laughs> See that's different. That he has an advantage. You're right. He has an advantage yeah. that not too many people do. That dude's yeah. lower half swelled up for real. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a Cowboys fan, Hank? I mean, I if I had to pick a team, I'd probably say the Cowboys. I like what the Texans are doing. I mean, I've never really felt an allegiance to an NFL team. I always liked the Cardinals when I was a kid because I liked the color red. Um, I just thought their helmets were cool. Yeah. Um, but I get into the Cowboys. I enjoy watching. I just like I like watching NFL Red Zone all day on Sunday. That's kind of what I enjoy. Yes. So, There's room yeah. on the Lions bandwagon, you know. Hey, <laughs> they are a fun team to watch. I'm enjoying it. Jameer Gibbs, Monter St. Brown, Jamison Williams. They're on, yeah. on a roll. Couple of those dudes you covered at Alabama. Yep. What was hey, 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 Answer this question for me because Chip doesn't think Jamison Williams could be big time. I, I, I said he has a little bit, not just a little bit of Tyreek Hill in him. Not, I'm yeah. not crazy. You see what Tyreek Hill's doing? He's special, but yeah. Jamison Williams has a little bit of that. Can you? Am I a little bit accurate here? Because Chip don't think he's gonna be worth a flip. No, I, I, I would agree. You know, I. I really didn't know, you know, obviously he went to Ohio State first um, and then transferred to Alabama. And, you know, we weren't really, we knew obviously Bama liked him a lot and he was a really talented kid, but we didn't really know what, you know, Bama was getting in him really. And then they played Miami in that season opener, I guess, in what, 2021. Um, and he had that like ADR touchdown catch. Like, oh, this kid, this kid can fly. Um, and then all season that, you know. And you can make the argument that Bama beats Georgia in the national championship game if Jamison Williams doesn't go down with an injury. Um, so yeah, because that you know, meant Ajayi Hall playing and dropping yeah, passes. Yeah, and yeah, not taking advantage of his opportunity. But um, no, I, I I like that I like that con. Um, you know, he's I think he's a stud. You know, and uh, I saw there was a I saw a mock draft yesterday. The I think it was Lions projected to take Keon Coleman. Uh, for Florida State in this next year's draft or this next spring's draft, I'm like, God, if you pair him with, well, I'm on Ross St. Brown, Jameson, and uh, you know, Jared Goff would be a pretty happy guy. He's already, he's probably already really happy, but you know, 
even more so. I don't know what it is about the Lions and freaking receivers. They they went through this back in the day. I mean, obviously, you draft Calvin Johnson, you're over the moon, but they drafted that, what, Charles Johnson, whatever his name was, out of Michigan State, who was god-awful terrible. Mm. And then... You know, I'm like, okay, enough, enough with the receivers. I need Jalen Carter. I need Jalen Carter. Why why did they take Jalen Carter? Well, didn't they didn't they take Indomit and Sue? Was that or was he on the team at one point? Oh yeah. No, they they drafted drafted him. That was great. And if everything was working. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't. Hank, I, I gotta tell Chip every time he brings up Jalen Carter, how can you make a guy with car issues? And put them at the motor in the motor city. Does that make any sense? The same thing called Ford Field. So yeah, that, 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 that don't make no sense, man. You don't get him a driver. House. Yeah. You don't send a junkie to the liquor store. That she doesn't can be make hot. Sense. Just get her get him a driver. <laughs> He's got the team can pay for it. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Well, we'll see. <laughs> All right, Hank. So the coaches were out on the road. And I think they were at some games that you were at. And tell us what was going on out there. I saw Sark and Jeff Banks at a game. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the bye week's always an opportunity to get out and, and, and see the guys, get that FaceTime opportunity. Obviously, you can't talk to the kids. Um, there's that bump rule, which is the dumbest thing in college football recruiting, where it's like, oh, you can say hi, but you can't have a conversation. Um, beyond that, it was, can you like dap them up? Can you have five of them? I think I think you I think so. Um, and so you know, it's it's so stupid. You know, if the coaches are traveling two thousand miles to come see your game, why can't they say hi? But they can come. Um, you know, December when the coaches can go on the road and actually go to your house. But <clears throat> yeah, right now they can't. But no, they they took the opportunity to get out. Um, then you know, the staff was all over the country. Um, you know, Thursday night we saw. Steve Sarkeesian, Jeff Banks at the Duncanville game. So, you know, right off the bat, going to see Colin Simmons, you know, and, and there's no concern with, you know, where Colin Simmons stands with Texas. But, you know, he's your highest rated commit. He's kind of the the uh, marquee addition in this 2024 class. You want to make sure that, you know, you're you're, uh, you're doing what you need to do there and going to see him. And obviously, Duncanville is not a bad stop to make, just regardless of Colin Simmons. You know, you got DeCorian Moore, the five-star wide receiver. There's another Texas commit on the Duncanville roster in Alex January, the defensive lineman. So um, that was certainly an important stop. And, and Duncanville is always going to have talent. So that's a program you always want to have, you know, you want to stop at and see. Um, so things are looking good there. Friday night, we saw Sark and uh, Kyle Flood go out to California uh, to Matter Day High School, which is turning into sort of a Texas pipeline kind of, you know, uh, obviously Sark has ties there. Chris Jackson, the wide receivers coach, actually went to Matter Day High School um, but um, obviously they have Brandon Baker, the five-star offensive tackle that's committed to Texas, and a guy they're trying to flip on the offensive line as well, uh, his teammate and DeAndre Carter, who's committed to Auburn. So that was a big stop, certainly, um, you know, one that was on the top of the priority list for this staff. But, you know, beyond that, we saw a lot of um, a lot of underclass offers go out. Um, Bo Davis was in Florida. We saw A.J. Milwee go see Trey Owens in Houston on Thursday. Then he flew out to Alabama and saw K.J. Lacey. Um, on Friday, um, we saw Tashard Choice go to Louisiana to see the number one running back in 2025 in Harlem Berry um, play out there. And so, you know, the staff was all over the place. Um, you know, again, you know, this is the opportunity that every every year, you know, the bye week is kind of the recruiting week. That's when, you know, that's 
that's when we have a lot to do because we got to track where they're going, see what they're doing, see what they're offering. Um, and then they kind of get back to the, the the second half grind of the season. So, um, and, and obviously recruiting is always happening. You know, they're always going to have visitors. They're always talking to kids, but you know, this, this was a chance to really kind of buckle down and, uh, you know, start this final push towards that early signing period in December. Yeah. yeah. All right, Hank, Ryan Wingo update of the week. I mean, I'm hearing things now. It looks like Missouri's really in the mix. It seemed like Texas had the chokehold, but Missouri, I mean, that's home. The dude's a St. Louis, you know, native. So that makes sense. Then I see what Luther Burton's doing every week in that offense. And I'm like, oh man, if they're saying this guy could be like Luther Burton, then how can you not love that? Especially if it's home to the boy what's it looking like right now for Wyoming? Mingo? yeah you know it, it, i feel like we've all kind of been like okay missouri's gonna have a really bad second half of the season their schedule got harder they're gonna start dropping some games but you know they did lose to lsu they in a game they probably should have could have won um they went on the road to kentucky beat kentucky so missouri kind of just they keep chugging along um you know i don't think they're gonna beat georgia uh well was you know who knows georgia's kind of had some trouble here and there and they don't have Brock Bowers now for a few weeks, but um, yeah, Missouri's kind of, Missouri's kind of <clears throat> picking up steam right at the right moment. Obviously Luther Burden, like you said, is one of you know, the best recruiting pitch you can probably have. Um, and so, yeah, we've seen a lot of predictions go Missouri's way lately. You know, everyone was on Texas um, picking Texas for Ryan Wingo. I think for really good reason. I think that was where, you know, the, the program that was trending and, you know, I haven't moved my pick off Texas yet. You know, I'm just not ready to, um, you know, talking to, to people around his recruitment. Um, I, I, you know, the contact's still there. You know, there's still a lot of interest. There's still a lot to like about Texas's, you know, chances. You know, I think he sees the opportunity to come in and, you know, either catch balls from whether Quinn Ewers comes back or Arch Manning or Malik Murphy. Um, he's going to be a featured wide receiver in the offense probably year one. Um, you know, I, I think your top guys coming back are, you know, Jonte Cook, um, DeAndre Moore, and then, you know, there's probably going to be a role for Ryan Wingo if he if he comes to Texas. Got the NIL opportunities, um, Steve Sarkeesian's offense. So you know, there's a lot to like. You know, when you're looking at Texas and chances there, um, but like you you kind of laid out everything Missouri has going forward as well. Um, and it's the home state. You know, he he can he can stay home and, and do kind of what Luther Burden's doing and, and probably have those NIL opportunities as well. Um, so we'll see. There was a report out today that he's coming down to a decision soon. Um, you know, he, he's. He's kind of said he's going to make a decision soon. Then he says December 20th, which is the early signing period. So, you know, uh, you know, I obviously don't feel as confident about Texas's chances right now. But again, you know, I, I've talked to people that still make me feel like, and I wrote this yesterday on Horns 24-7, I, I still feel like Texas, you know, has the edge, depending on who you ask. You know, I, I think, you know, like I said, the contact's still there. Um, and, and so I also wrote last Friday, it's Charge Choice is actually involved in this recruitment as well, the running backs coach of Texas. Um, along with Chris Jackson, obviously Steve Sarkeesian. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's definitely a, it's a battle right now. Um, I'm still on Texas, but, you know, next week on Tuesday, maybe I'll change my mind next week. I don't, I don't know. I'm not ready to throw in the towel yet. <laughs> I got two words for you, Hank. Eli Drinkwitz. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go play for Eli Drinkwitz over Steve Sarkeesian's offense? I mean, I... Personality. <laughs> Eli Drinkwitz, good gravy. The guy won like that massive game against K-State, and he's bitching at his fans for booing the quarterback when he came out for the game. Oh, that guy's a mess. But 
we'll see. I, I like cannot believe that Missouri would, unless they're offering the guy uh, like a lifetime salary or something. Yeah. But it's it's crazy. All right, what uh, what other nuggets do you think are important for for Texas fans coming out of this uh, this recruiting off week? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of kind of just people are kind of starting to get a little not uneasy recruiting wise. You know, it's and this ha- this happens every fall. I feel like in every program, kids that wait this long usually just want to wait until early signing period. So there's not a lot. You don't see like a wave of October and November commitments because now they're saying, oh, you know, I could take this into December. And uh, and how many kids time. does Texas really have room for? Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and again, it's a handful of guys. You know, they're they're not, and and we don't. The transfer portal window hasn't even opened. That's going to factor into everything numbers wise. So, you know, I, I think in terms of high school prospects, tracking five six guys like for real. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of just at the top of my head. Um, you, know, you got Ryan Lingo, Kobe Black, five star cornerback. Those two guys are probably your top two targets remaining. Um, DeAndre Carter, the offensive lineman from uh, from California. You got Solomon Williams, the edge rusher from Florida. Um, Wardell Mack, the cornerback committed to Florida. So, you know, five, like, real true targets right there. Um, and then you got to have your other ones that, you know, you're still talking to, but you're not really sure what's happening. You got Micah Hudson, Texas Tech commit. Um, they just put out a new offer to um, Isaiah Williams, who's committed to Florida, a wide receiver. And everyone's like, oh, well, that means Ryan Wingo's gone. We, we don't have a chance. But, you know, obviously Texas is – they're smart. They're covering their bases. You know, if Ryan Wingo does end up going to Mizzou, you need to have another receiver in this class, at least at the high school level, before, you know, you enter the SEC, lose these guys to the draft this offseason. Um, and, you know, I, I think if Ryan, Ryan Wingo does go to the go to Mizzou, you know, and even if he comes to Texas, I think Texas is going to be a very lucrative transfer portal destination for receivers. They can see what Adonai Mitchell did this season. Um you know, and, and so that that's, you know, I've, I've said since the transfer portal came into play, you know, that covers up high school misses. You know, you, you can go out and get an instant impact guy that can be more productive year one than probably most five, you know, depending. I, most kids, they can come in and make more of an impact and, and they have that college experience. So that can certainly help Texas out. But yeah, just a handful of guys, decision dates, you know, we'll see Ryan Wingo's on, you know, looking maybe soon. Um, DeAndre Carter, you know, it sounds like the buzz is growing in favor of Texas. I've talked to people on the Texas side. I've talked to people on the Auburn side. And it, everyone kind of feels like it's kind of trending towards him changing his mind and committing to Texas. We'll see. I haven't put in a pick yet. But uh, Texas wants to take, you know, four linemen in this class, and he would be the fourth. So, um, yeah, so some things in play. You know, we'll see who gets to these last few games um, at DKR this fall and uh, kind of where we're sitting come December. Yeah, Hank, I appreciate and dig what you said about the transfer portal and the fact that if you miss guys in high school, you can pick guys out of the transfer portal to fill spots. That's completely accurate. We had John Brown on last week, and he talked about, you know, he talks to these high school parents of these kids and stuff, and with the transfer portal, it's a lot harder for these high school kids to make decisions because they don't know if they'll be able to play from jump or are they going to go to a place that they have to wait a while due to the transfer portal. You just never know. So what's the vibe? do you get from parents now that the transfer portal is what it is there's nil money being thrown around like what's the vibe to some of these parents slash kids decision making on picking these schools knowing the transfer portal is out there and guys are picking already experienced proven players yeah you know i i don't get a i don't get the 
feeling that it's much different than, you know, it, it's ever really been. I, I think the biggest difference is you're seeing, you know, guys that might, and, and I, you know, Texas doesn't reach on guys. They don't want to, if they take a kid as a commitment, you know, they've done their evaluation. They, you know, they feel comfortable taking him. But with that being said, there's always kids in the class that, you know, maybe like, you know, we could have taken this other guy and we probably would have been just as happy with the guy we got or with him rather than the guy we got. And so there's those kids that are kind of borderline, you know, takes, you know, top targets. Maybe there was another guy they wanted more. So I think you see kids that are kind of in that category make decisions earlier. So we see a lot of spring commitments. You know, we saw the class really fill up in the summertime um, when these guys, you know, the, the, I think you're seeing guys take their uh, opportunity to commit when they can. Whereas, you know, whereas some guys will wait later, but those are kind of the guys that, you know, they're going to have a spot regardless of who coming, who's coming in the portal or not. Um, those kind of elite tier guys like the Ryan Wingos, like the Kobe Black. So I think the biggest difference is you see guys make decisions earlier um, and kind of get in while they can. Um, and so you see a lot less drama, at least from the prep level, um, come December, at least the last few years. And now all the drama we really see is more the portal kind of in that, you know, late January, early February time frame. So that's the biggest difference I see. You know, I, I think NIL is a good thing. I think, you know, everyone's still kind of learning how to navigate it. Um, and, and it's certainly something that, that can really benefit Texas going forward and, and a lot of these bigger schools that, you know, have these opportunities. You know, Austin has probably the most opportunities of anywhere for NIL. Um, so I, I think that's something that can really help Texas, especially going into the SEC next year. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I just think timeline is probably the biggest thing I, I, I've noticed difference in this NIL transfer portal area. Yeah, I mean, I keep looking over at those A&M receivers, you know, I mean, they're a pretty, pretty group of dudes <laughs> and their quarterback issues just keep happening. Yep. We'll see. I mean, A.D. Mitchell falling, like I said. Like the movie Animal House, the little kids in his bed looking at Playboy, you know, and then all of a sudden smoking hot chick comes flying through the window. Thank you, God. I mean, that's that was A.D. Mitchell flying through the window yeah. for Texas last year. Yeah. Thank you, God. You know, I mean, it really is crazy, too. Like you, you see decisions happen that like, you know, like he's he's a star for Georgia. He's catching touchdowns in the college football championship and then he decides to come home to texas you know we saw um, i always kind of go back to alabama because i'm just so used to alabama covering alabama but you know jermaine burton the wide receiver for alabama had just beat alabama in the national championship game decides to come to tuscaloosa two weeks later um and he would have been probably wide receiver one <laughs> in athens um so it really is crazy like you don't know what's going to be available, who's going to be available in the portal. And so you kind of always want to, and, and Steve Sarkeesian's always been clear that, you know, the portal is there for like guys we have to have. Like you, like if you, if you need an extra defensive lineman, we got to go to the portal. Like they don't want to use the portal as like their main recruiting tool. They want to develop guys, which I think is a smart strategy and just go to the portal if you have to. And so, you know, some of these guys, you know, you, you never know who's going to be there. So um, it's, it's this whole other recruiting window that um, you know you have to prep for and, and um, you know follow. Yeah. All right, Hank. Um, any anything else? Any? I'm trying to think if there's any other basketball or anything else in your notebook that we need to pry out of you. Yeah. No, I think basketball is kind of the same as last week we talked about. I think the you know we're we're seeing um, Nick Cody, the the uh, four star from. Um, 
um, what's I can't think of his high school right now. I thought my head. Um, he's making a decision on November second, um, so that's going to be you know this weekend. Even though it's football, you know it's Texas Houston, um, so kind of sticking on the Texas Houston theme. I think those are the two schools in play for Nick Cody. Um, I can't remember if it was last week if it happened last week, but um, Trey Johnson, the five star guard. Um, he's down to Texas and Baylor, so that's that's. Uh, yeah, Zay's nervous know. about that one because he thinks Scott Drew is the magic man with guards yeah. and all this shit. So, yeah, his dad went to Baylor. It's okay, right whatever details. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we'll see with that, and then uh, obviously Ace and Newell, which is you know you're you're battling the family ties to Georgia there. Um, Alabama's in it there as well. So three guys, uh, and again, you know. Maybe they go transfer portaling next spring in basketball. So you can always say, oh, you know, transfer portal is always there. So if you miss on the guy, it's okay. We'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> hey, Hank, last one. Yeah, man. Last one for me, Hank. Going back to football real quick. Trey Owens out of side fair, a quarterback committed to Texas 2023. I don't think he gets any love because obviously you got Malik and Arch Manning coming and even KJ Lacey gets more love just because of the Bryce Young comparisons. But like Trey Owens, like why doesn't he get the recognition that maybe he deserves? That That's a good question because it's not like he like doesn't have exposure. I mean, people go and see his games, you know, everyone's very familiar with him. Um, you know, Texas, Texas likes, you know, I go off, you know, if Steve Sarkeesian likes a quarterback or A.J. Miller likes a quarterback, it's probably a pretty good bet that they're a really good quarterback. Um, and, and, you know, all the talk's going to be about Arch and Malik and, you know, Quinn comes back, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but, yeah, he kind of just flies under the radar, and maybe that's just a product of, you know, this Arch Manning um, era we're in where everyone, you know, it's all Arch. We all want to know about Arch. Um, and, and he's kind of just, you know, coming in afterwards. But he's just giving money to charity. Yeah, he's he's I know, right? He um I mean he's he's been lighting it up the last few weeks too. I think uh I forgot I haven't seen his stats from this past Friday, but the week before I think he had like five touchdowns. Um big kid. You know, I've seen him a few times at games so far this fall and you know, he he's he's got a frame. He's like six six five. He's big. Um and so, you know, you never know. You know, I um uh, again I go back to Alabama, but like this past cycle you know, it was uh, or uh, the past couple cycles in Tuscaloosa. Ty Simpson was the five-star quarterback that was the future for Alabama. Um, you know, eventually going to dethrone Jalen Milrow. That didn't happen. Um, Eli Holstein was like the big uh, Texas A&M flip they got at quarterback that was this, you know, freak athlete quarterback. And then all the buzz this spring um, in terms of guys behind Jalen Milrow was about Dylan Lonergan, who was just the kind of the second quarterback in the class that everyone kind of overlooked and uh, he still wanted to come to Alabama. He decided not to play baseball or, you know, he kind of put his baseball career, I guess, on the back burner uh, to come play quarterback at Bama. And now he looks like he could be the future guy in Tuscaloosa, depending on um, their five-star quarterback coming in, Julian Sain. But um, yeah, you never know what, what's going to happen with a kid that when he gets on campus and, uh, you know, gets in that program, gets that coaching from Steve Sarkeesian, you know, he could really blossom. So I, I think he's a really uh, talented kid. I, I like his game. Yeah. Boom. Hank, you're the man. Yeah, oh, appreciate it. We uh we always look forward to our Tuesday updates with Hank. It's good. Appreciate time. you, bro. Thanks. Any Hank. thoughts on Texas Houston Saturday at three o'clock? Yeah, I'm just my biggest question is, you know, how does this Texas defense respond? You know, I, I don't have I'm not concerned about the Texas offense. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna play well. Um, but you know, you got yeah, Donovan Smith, you know, you got a, a guy that lit you up last year. You know, you have, you know, 
as much as you know this defense is better than last year i think you know that's still a mental thing you know you you play this guy dana holgerson is very familiar with texas he's been at houston but he's also played texas a bunch at west virginia and so you know he's gonna probably add some wrinkles into the game you know they're gonna try to do exactly probably what texas tech did last year in terms of trying to um to slow texas down so uh, but no, I, I think the biggest thing I'm looking for is, you know, how does this defense respond? Because, uh, you know, they've got talent. They've got talented skill players. Um, you know, they've got not as much depth on the offensive line, but they have guys that, you know, can probably stand up Texas a little bit. So, you know, I think Texas is going to win. I think they're going to have an impressive outing. But, you know, I just, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, after that Oklahoma game, how this Texas defense comes out and, uh, you know, tries to reestablish, you know, this kind of hit you in the mouth identity. Yeah. No, it's true. Houston's got some skill talent. There's no yeah. doubt about it. And Donovan can cook. Yep. You just got to wonder if they're, maybe they have a case of the dropsies after that big Hail Mary win over uh, West Virginia. No, I'm, I'm having trouble still watching the Hail Mary from the, from uh, the Oklahoma game. Like that, that was, that was, that was, that was like poorly close. What's that? Didn't you think the Hail Mary, like, I needed a little more effort out of the receivers on that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like, oh, I was texting my friend before it happened. I was like, why do I feel weirdly confident about this? And then, like, it was, ugh, it was, it was right there. But, you know, who knows? Maybe that'll be a blessing in disguise. You know, now Texas, if they do do what they need to do and run the table, they'll be kind of be the team with the chip on their shoulder playing yeah. Oklahoma again in December. So, yeah. We'll see. All right, good stuff, Hank, man. Appreciate yeah. you uh, taking some time for us. Yeah, thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks, right. Hank. Appreciate you, man. Hank Seriously. South, breaking it down. Texas coaches on the road, getting their recruiting in. Um, you know what? I need to get in uh, a little mention here for Dr. Eckert. Dr. Eckert, Austin's dentist. Listen, some of you are like, I'm not going to the dentist. Okay, don't. Don't do that because you might need, you know, you might need Dr. Eckert to check and make sure you don't have any gum disease, stuff like that. You don't want a bad situation to get worse. Go to the dentist. Go to Austin's dentist, Dr. Greg Eckert. Here's, you want something really easy? You want something really easy? All you have to do, you can make this phone call or you can go online. We'll give you options. Uh, The phone number is uh, 345-3166. Easy to remember, 345-3166. Or you can go to Dr. Eckert, Dr. U-E-C-K-E-R-T.com uh, to set up an appointment. And I don't know if you heard BK mention this morning that the Texas cheerleaders are going to be wearing the Brain Vault mouth guard that Dr. Eckert has uh, gotten patented. Um proven to reduce the effects of concussion. And so if you're, you've got a cheerleader, not just an athlete, but a cheerleader, uh, then go to brainvault.com to set up an, a fitting so that your, your athlete, your cheerleader is as safe as possible from concussion. And I hope some of y'all went to Salt Traders Coastal Cooking last night to watch the Cowboys and the Chargers for all night happy hour and some of the best seafood you're ever going to have in your life right here in Austin, Texas. Salt Traders Coastal Cooking from our man Jack Gilmore, Jack Allen's Kitchen, Salt Traders Coastal Cooking, 
set up your date night and go get you some great seafood. I'm all about seafood right now because I was just, oh, yeah. oh, Zay. I mean, the stone crab, the, the, the grouper, they have these grouper nuggets that will blow your mind. Yeah. Grouper, grouper nuggets, not chicken nuggets, grouper nuggets. They melt in your mouth. Man, that just does saying. sound good, man. Just saying. Yeah. All right, it's time. We're like way into it here. I'm going to give you a quick chip shot. You ready? Say. Yeah. All right, so my chip shot today is about my man, Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith. Here's what I like about Donovan Smith. Everybody's told him, you're not good enough, man. You know what? You're not good enough. What does the guy do? What does he do for Joey McGuire? He converts fourth and 20 last year for Texas Tech in beating Houston. That was in overtime. Like, he had to have it. And he converted fourth and 20 to get it into a second overtime and then won the game against Houston in double overtime for Joey McGuire. And Joey McGuire's like, hey, man, love me some Tyler Shuck. Love me some Baron Morton. Good luck at Houston. And, oh, by the way, Donovan Smith beat Texas last year, converted six of eight fourth downs, including a fourth and seven and two fourth and fours. One mm. of the fours was a touchdown run. Um, And now he goes to Houston, and he's been cooking the last couple of games. Even though they lost to Tech, he, it wasn't his fault. Houston's defense sucks. Like socks, they're <laughs> they're terrible. They're the worst in the Big Twelve. They're giving up more points than any other team in the Big Twelve. That's not Donovan Smith's fault. Donovan Smith was cooking against Texas Tech. He wanted to beat Joey McGuire's ass, so he's cooking, and he's coming off this West Virginia game where he throws for four touchdowns. He runs for one. And I'm just saying, Texas, you know what you've got in front of you. You just got pistol whipped by Dylan Gabriel and his legs. Little Dylan Gabriel, 5'10", maybe, 5'11", tops. He just ran all over you. And look, you're not going to struggle to find Donovan Smith. He is 6'5", 241. Jalen Ford said he, they think he's closer to 250. And he can move. And he can sling it. I'm not going to lie. I am very interested to watch Donovan Smith because I just like watching the dude play. He's a fighter. He's a competitor. He wants to cut your throat. So, Texas, let's see what you got. I'm with Hank. I want to see what the Texas defense has in store after getting out of the pass rush lanes. Like, I don't know what some of those guys were thinking. I'm going to go get Dylan Gabriel. No, just keep him right in the pocket, right? Like you did on the last play. You just didn't get there quite fast enough. And that's what Texas is going to have to do with Donovan Smith and the Houston Cougs. They're going to have to keep him right there in the pocket and then let Anthony Hill, Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, somebody 
get his big ass to the ground because he is low. <laughs> they don't have red zone issues in Houston. Uh, Isn't that something, Zay? Let me look yeah, at that. That's something. We'll that's something. Get you the numbers. Yeah, I mean, Donovan Smith, he's been solid this year. 66 percentage completion rate. I want to say he has the most completions in the Big 12 right yes. now. Yeah, it's for quarterbacks, which is really impressive. 13 touchdowns, only three interceptions, 1,600 yards. And if you look at his rushing stats, there's the running back, Jenkins, who has 47. Donovan Smith has 67 rushing attempts. So that shows that everything in Dana Hogerson's offense is ran through Donovan Smith. And he wants that responsibility. Like, he's been really good this year. And, yeah, he does have a chip on his shoulder with the way Joey McGuire did him last season. Like, he did him wrong. He's like, okay, well, I'm going to go to a different conference. And, yeah, I can't help the defense, but I can do my part. And he's done that and then some. So we still don't know where Ryan Watts is. I guess Jalen Catalan's playing. I don't know. Did Sark say that he practiced yesterday? I I don't know with him. Who knows? I, yeah, I'll know more after today's practice. Okay, so you might still be without some of your main guys. Like we saw against Oklahoma, obviously U of H doesn't have the same talent as OU does, but we saw losing Ryan Watts, big deal. It's kind of a big deal. Like, I like Gavin Holmes for the future. I like Malik Muhammad for the future. I like Terrence Brooke for the future. But Ryan Watts is the best cornerback that Pete Lukowski has. So him being out, that's still an issue. And if you look at those wide receivers for um, Houston, Brown, Manjack, Golden, Johnson, those guys could play a little bit. So, yeah, I don't want this to be a track meet. I want this defense to be able to bounce back. And I don't know if Dana Hogerson is going to look at that film from Oklahoma and see what Jeff Levy did at the, as far as pace-wise and try to speed up the tempo so you keep some of those big horses in the game. But oh, teams are going to do that. Because Texas is just too talented. They don't want those guys coming in and out. We hear, you know, about that, uh, excuse me, the Alabama squad that really struggled because Texas was just so much more like healthy and in shape toward that fourth quarter because they were fresh. So I, I want this defense to bounce back. I'm with Hank also. I think this offense, they should be able to have their way with Houston. If not, that's going to be another question mark that we'll have come Monday. But yeah, this Donovan Smith, he's solid, man. And he's going to make some plays out there where you're like, wow, like it's just, he's going to just force some plays and make them positive for U of H because that's the type of guy he is. This Texas defense has to limit that and they have to come in with a lot of respect for Donovan Smith because he beat you last year and he's going to look to beat you again. All right, so Houston in the red zone, okay? They have 17 touchdowns in 25 trips. That is 89.5% compared to Texas, which is at 55%. Mm. Texas has 11 touchdowns in 24 trips. Houston has 17 touchdowns in 25 trips. K-State is your number one 
red zone offense at converting touchdowns. K-State has 24 touchdowns in 29 trips. It's working for some. Yeah. Right yeah, now? Brief, five touchdowns on the ground one game. Like, hey. Come on now. Hey. We're yeah. getting touchdowns in the red zone. We get that down in the red zone. <laughs> Come on, coach. Coach. Oh, coach, we getting them. Coach, give me that job. Will Howard don't want to give me that job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, oh, my Avery's name. terrible. My Avery's terrible. That might be. I, I know CB wants it's me to so do that. It's so bad. It's good. Baker. Yeah, I got a Dusty Baker impression, which sounds nothing like Dusty Baker. It's just what I picture Dusty sounding like, just because how he looks in that toothpick. He just looks like his old Southern uncle that should have been, you know, dead a long time ago, but somehow is alive and still drinking like gin and juice and just doing things, still smoking cigarettes and, you know, cools and stuff like that. And yeah, man, come on, man. I'm, you know, we got the toothpick and stuff. Hold on, too, man. Gotta get going. We struggled yesterday. Framber Valdez, what the hell was he doing, man? That first inning for Framber, that was one of the first inning, worst innings I've ever seen. And I'm playing. I play with Bobby Bonds, man. Come on now. Like, that's what, I, when I see Dusty Baker, I picture that sound. Come How on. are they still going to the ALCS every year? Like, BK says the same thing. Like, BK's like, just waiting for Dusty to get fired. I'm like, they're in their seventh straight ALCS? He just got there, though, a couple of years ago, right? I yeah, I've been there too long. Yeah. But he's he's not getting in the way. Yeah. yeah, it's on autopilot. I mean, He's just keeping the flame burning. Yeah, that was that was tough yesterday, man. They fought hard, but going, being two zero, going back to Arlington, that ain't a good look. That ain't a good look. Them Rangers, they playing, man. All right, they listen, playing. We got to get to our man. We got to get to the right call from Zay Collier. Yeah, I'm ready yeah. for the right call. Yeah, I'm ready. Let me hit Covert BK first, man, before we get there. The Covert Auto Group, which is family-owned automotive dealerships that have served the greater Austin area for over a 100 years. That is a long time selling cars to the great Austin people, and they do it at a very high rate. The high-quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles, the outstanding service and customer satisfaction that you will receive Nobody does it better than Covert BK and the Covert Auto Group. So, hey, go head up to 42 Acres and see all the luxury cars. And if you need to buy something, they got you. Seven terrific brands, Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. You're going to find what you want at Covert BK. That SUV, that two-door, you know, top-down. You want the sunroof, they got it. You want the windows tinted, I'm sure they can hook that up or find somebody for you to hook that up. They will take care of you at Covert BK. Go to CovertBK.com for all the latest specials and inventory. Nobody beats a Covert deal. Not now, not ever. All right, Chip. As far as Hollywood acting chops, where do you rank Robert De Niro? Oh, he's way up there. Way up there? Way up there. I mean, Raging Bull, yeah. uh, Taxi Driver. Oh, you going back. Oh, yeah. Meet the Parents Godfather. Oh, man. I mean, the dude has been in 
everything. He's even been in one of the worst movies I've ever seen called Dirty Grandpa. Oh, I love that movie. With Zach Efron? That's hilarious. I said if vomit could vomit, it would be Dirty Grandpa. But then <laughs> my son and I may have taken a little something and watched it. And <laughs> it was really funny, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of that Britney Griner or something like that, man. You know, take the edge off. I feel you. Ain't nothing wrong with that. That movie's hilarious. Yeah, Robert De Niro, he up there with me, too. I, I'm glad you said Meet the Parents. That might be one of my favorite movies of all time. And yeah, you think of it. Greg. Can you yeah. milk me? Can you milk me? <laughs> you smoke pot fucker? <laughs> I mean... You're a pot Oh, the fact, man. Yeah, I mean, he's, the fact he's that their name is Fokker and he's calling him Fokker the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, the sequels are all right. You got Babs in the second one and, you know, she's cool. But, yeah, the OG Meet the Parents doesn't get much better. And, you know, Casino and Goodfellas. Like, Robert oh, Hill, man, he's the Goodfellas. man. So I don't know if you know this, but 80-year-old... Keep that in mind. 80-year-old Robert De Niro has a 45-year-old girlfriend who has his baby. So those seeds are still swimming for Robert, obviously. Like, you know, the Cialis slash Viagra, clearly it's going very well. And he's still making them swim because he has a little baby. But this is where I'm like, okay, Robert, this is why your old ass shouldn't be having a baby. He's admitted recently that she does all the heavy lifting with the baby. All of it. So, and this kid, like, I hope he gets to see his dad in his teenage years. Like, every kid deserves that. But Robert pushing 80, I mean, God forbid anything happened to him. I hope he's with us as long as possible, yes. But this, like, he should have done a little snip-snip because that baby's obviously going to be well off. But as far as present, I don't know how present he'll be able to be. Like, you can't go play catch with Robert De Niro at this point. We're not, there's no catch where we're popping the mittens <laughs> Like, there's certain things that Robert just can't do no more. So that's where I'm at. I'm like, I don't know if this was the best move, Robert. And then, you know, Tiffany Chan, she's 45, so she wrong in general. She knows she wrong. She knows she wrong. Say you in love, whatever. They met on um, the set of The Intern with him and, gosh, what's that girl's name? That played Catwoman. And the Batman, the good Batman. She oh looks gosh. good. The Devil Wears Prada girl. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my wife's going to kill me. Oh, I'm going to have to look it up. Oh, my God. What's her name? When I see it, I'm going to be so pissed off. Uh, uh, Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway, that movie. Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway, yes. She's as cute as ever. But they met on that set, which I believe came out maybe five years ago or so. But yeah, man, Robert, he's out here being a new father and stuff. Uh, you know, 
How do you feel about that? You know what? At this point in his life, he's like, I'm Robert, I'm Robert De Niro. <laughs> so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do what I whatever I wanna do, you know? I don't know. How many kids does he have? Is he I, like I don't know, good question. Is he the Antonio Cromartie of Hollywood? <laughs> the Sean Kemp of Hollywood? Like uh, I mean yeah. Larry King got married seven times. Is De Niro like that? He's got seven. Oh, he's a but, mess. But they're all adults, though. Like, like, like one one of his daughters is older than his current girlfriend that just had the kid. That's what I'm saying, Robert. So, like, and you out here talking about he's Robert De Niro. Like that kid deserves to have an active father. Like, yeah. what is he going to do? Just show him old Scorsese films all the time? Is that their bonding? Because Robert can't move? Yeah, you that's know? not good. <laughs> that's, not, that's not good. I I'm, take thinking it back. I'm thinking about the kid, man. Yeah. Like, we got to think about the kid. got to think about the kid. He deserves to have his father as active in his life as possible. I don't know what Robert... And, you know, Robert could prove us all wrong, and... You know, he moved good in Raging Bull. I saw him in Cape Fear. Robert's a different cat. He's a different type of dude. Didn't he do some terrible boxing movie with Sylvester Stallone, too? Ooh. I don't know. Trey Elling usually knows all these movies. Is he still Echo Elling? I think that was Mr. C and Rocky that you're thinking of, Chip. What is it? I think that was Mr. T and Rocky 3 you're thinking of. <laughs> All right, I gotta look this up now. Oh, now I gotta look this up. See, Trey, I don't know if you heard us. Robert De Niro, eighty years old, having a little infant baby. Was that right or wrong? No, that's wrong. Thank you. I mean, well, look, the kid's set up the rest of his life. Once De Niro, grudge match. He's going to have a Much nice inheritance, match. but he's also going to grow up without a dad. So the likelihood that he grows up to become some sort of blue of a blue collar, no, not blue collar, white collar serial killer goes up exponentially because bo- girls who grew up without dads are much more likely to become strippers. Boys who grew up without strong male role models are much more likely to be serial killers or beta males who just continue to play video games in their parents' attic till the end of time. Look at that. Look at Trey Allen. Just mad game. trivia. Mad knowledge. Is that what happened to Manson? <laughs> I don't know what happened to Manson. You know, I've looked into some, I've read books on serial killers before. I've, I haven't read a whole lot on Manson. And Oh, actually, I know what happened to Manson. Manson was a part of uh, CIA experimentation with LSD that was happening in San Francisco around Haight-Ashbury. In the mid-1960s, they were essentially trying to perfect mind control programs. And Manson legitimately was uh, one of the primary subjects for those. And so some people believe that this was the, a, an example of the program being successful. And other people feel like it's an example of the program gone very much awry. Wow. What was that movie? 
the uh, movie with Brad Pitt came out. Time in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, that's a great movie. Good. It's long, but it's good. All right. Well, KD, what up? KD, can you guys stick around for two hours? Uh, I don't think I can handle this by myself. All right. Because <laughs> my wife just got a ridiculous uh, quote for a plumbing situation that I now okay. need to. Well, Chip, it's more important. We're friends, so stick around, all right? Please. <laughs> <laughs> all right, damn it. Let's do it. Uh, y'all have a good show. Appreciate it. Bye, guys. Take care. Good job, y'all. Thank you.